0: It's your boy X, also known as Xavier Scruggs, and you're listening to The Bigs. It's not about me
1: being cocky. It's about me being in my frame of mind where I know I'm the best player out there. I don't need to show it, but I got to believe it.
0: That's my guy, Colton Wong, second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers, talking about the confidence it takes for a kid from Hawaii to compete against the best ball players in the world every single day. Wong in the air. Colton Wong and I came up together in the Cardinal system, and we were teammates in St. Louis in 2014 and 15. He's the smoothest hitting leadoff man who knows how to get on base and the two-time reigning NL Gold Glove winner at second base. We'll talk about growing up in Hawaii, bouncing back from an early career failure in a huge World Series moment, and how progressing in his own baseball career changed his relationship with his dad. And he told me
1: at a young age, he's like, hey, you're not going to be the biggest, you're not going to be the fastest, you're not going to be the strongest. He's like, well, you're going to be damn good at everything.
2: Adam is coming home. The throw cut off. Colton Wong comes through. Stay with us. Whether it's delivering groceries to a neighbor or a night off from cooking, what if touching the life of one person could make a difference for many more? Now, each time you order online or tap in store with your MasterCard at qualifying restaurants and grocery stores, MasterCard will donate to Stand Up to Cancer, one precious cent at a time, up to $5 million. Start something priceless. Promotion ends on August thirty first, 2021, or when maximum $5 million donation is reached, whichever comes first. Debit, PIN, and international transactions ineligible. Stand Up to Cancer is a division of the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Terms apply. See mastercard.us su2c.
0: Hey, what's going on, Colton? How you doing today, man? What's up, X? How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's good to have you. Colton is from Hilo, Hawaii. Not too many big leaguers come from the Aloha State, but his family lives and breathes the game. His brother, Kian Wong, is an outfielder for the Angels. His sister played softball for the University of Hawaii, and Colton's dad, Kaha, played in Cleveland's farm system and now runs baseball training programs for kids in Hawaii. He's the one that took Colton to watch his first pro game. Growing up,
1: baseball was life for me. Um, But I remember specifically, I was probably 11, 12 years old. I won my first ever professional game, and it it was the Angels against the Dodgers, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, first time I was stepping into the stadium, I was, I turned to my dad and my dad even knows the story too, but I turned I was like, dad, I want to be playing out there one day. Mm. And, uh, he, he told me, he was like, you know, with how you looked at me and how you told me that I knew you were serious. So I wanted to make sure that we were going to start training from then on. We we're going to put the work in from then on and we we're going to see if we could make it happen. And
0: crazy to think, man, looking back at it now. You've told this story a lot about your pops basically, um, you know, putting everything that he had into molding you basically into an MLB player. And he's been instrumental from the beginning. Can you describe some of those things that he's really helped separate you at such a young age from a lot of other players? Yeah, you know, obviously my dad had some minor league experience, you
1: know, he had some pro experience, so, you know, I already had the advantage going into that, but You know, man, just a guy who who loved the game and wanted to show that love to his kids. And, you know, he was he was hard on us, man. He pushed us, you know, because he he knew how serious we were about the game and he wanted us to take, you know, full advantage of it. So he was always hard on us, always pushing us. I'm pretty sure you heard the stories, man, about going in, in, into the forest and hitting trees and stuff. Man, all those stories are true. You know, like that was my pops, man. It was old school. Do whatever you can to, to put yourself in a situation to get better, stronger. And, you know, that's just what we did, man. That was a grind back then. You know, we'd go chop some trees down, hit some tires, pull some tires. You know, the old school training and,
0: uh, you know, just made me into the man I am today. I'll tell you straight up, there, there's no way somebody's dragging me into a forest, especially <laughs> being from San Diego, California. I ain't going to no forest. If there's some, maybe some bears or something coming out of there, I'm scared of that. And obviously, you know, Hawaii is, is where it all started. But when most people think of Hawaii, even me, I'm thinking beaches, you know, vacation, outdoor adventures, like you said, and not necessarily baseball. But how would you kind of best describe the culture, the baseball culture in Hawaii? I mean, it's changed dramatically, bro. I mean, like you mm-hmm. said,
1: you know, baseball really wasn't that big of a thing back in the day. You know, I mean, you didn't have guys to really look up to. You know, you had, you know, Shane Victorino. No, you, know, you had Kurt Suzuki. Here's one
2: hammered in the left off the bat of Suzuki and gone.
1: You know, honestly, that was about it. You had a handful of other guys, but you know, no one really stuck like those, those guys did. So. For us growing up, we didn't really have that guy to kind of look up to. But once you know Shane broke through, like I said, and Kurt, you know, it gave us that confidence. Like, man, you know, if we can, we can make it, we can do this. And you know, so the culture's changed dramatically ever since I got up here. And you got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you got my younger brother Kean Wong. You know, like mm-hmm. the the wave has started. Now everybody is starting to play it. Man, I go home and kids are everywhere playing it. No matter if they're at practice or. Finding some part to go play at. And it's just it's, it's amazing to
0: see what you can do by working hard and how much you can change the culture of a place. Do you feel like when you go back home, there's like a sense of you being able to dive back into the community and kids being able to like feel like, OK, since Colton made it, like maybe there's opportunity for me if I keep working hard and, and maybe one day I can reach a dream like that. Absolutely.
1: I mean, I try to, you know, be as involved as I can. My dad is still, you know, the man when it comes to, you know, Big Island baseball. He still (laughs) runs runs the clinics, man, runs the showcases. You know, he has 20, 30 scouts coming down, recruiters from colleges. So he's been opening up doors for these kids, man. And just, you know, for these kids to know my dad so well and and know that, you know, I'm a byproduct of all the work that he put in you know, I think shows these kids, man, if I just work hard and I just keep checking out Coach Call, I might might have a chance of making
0: it, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Kind of talking more on your pops. He kept it real. He told you straight up, if you can be a professional baseball player, but it's going to be hard. And he set up an intense training schedule for you. Like you mentioned, how old were you when you said, you know what, like, dad, uh, I'm committed. I felt like being on the island. I didn't have the advantages of, you know, being seen by scouts. He knew,
1: and he told me at a young age, he's like, "Hey, you're not gonna be the biggest. You're not gonna be the fastest. You're not gonna be the strongest." He's like, but you're gonna be damn good at everything." He's like, "I'm gonna make sure that I work with you on every single part of this game. I want you to be the best athlete you can be, so that when it comes down to it, you can do it all." And you know, that's been the mentality ever since I was a little kid, and even to now, our training is still pretty much the same, man. I mean. You know, except going to the forest and cutting down trees, we kind of grew up from that. But we still we still stick
0: with the old school mentality there for sure. What is the relationship like with your dad now today after being so committed to it early on and being able to get to where you are now? It's honestly better than ever. Obviously, we had our ups and downs. I mean, you know, I think that's a
1: big transition that dads have a hard time you know, accepting sometimes is when your son is ahead of you now. You know, I mean, my, right. my dad taught me everything my whole life. I would go to him for hitting tips. I'd go to him for everything. And then once I got to the big leagues and I started figuring it out on my own, starting to do these things, the transition of, you know, him telling me stuff and what I knew was it, it didn't match up at that point already. So, you right, know, we, right. we would butt heads, man, about it. We got in a big fight about it. And, you know, that's just all love, though. <laughs> you know, it's like I I knew yeah. where my right dad was coming from and I knew it was from a good spot. I just knew that, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm ready at that level. You know, I'm like, I'm taking that next step, man. And it's just like. I need to keep pushing. Like, let me, let me bring you with me
0: now. You know, you showed me my whole life. Yeah. Let me show you. I think for me and, and my dad, it was kind of that age, maybe like 10 years old, right, at, right, right during Little League when mm-hmm. I was like, dad, that, that's enough. All right. You've, 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 you've already <laughs> said enough. Now, I know you didn't get past the first year in Little League. So we're good now. I'll take it from here. <laughs> Wong debuted for the Cardinals late in the 2013 season and was named to St. Louis's postseason roster after only 62 regular season plate appearances. Now, he was getting a chance to play on the sport's biggest stage. But his first big moment is one he'd rather forget. In game four of the World Series against the Red Sox, Wong entered the game in the ninth inning as a pinch runner. He only had one job to focus on, base running. But with two outs and the potential tying run at the plate, Boston closer Koji Uyuhara picked Wong off at first base for the final out.
2: Check on the runner, pick him off! Oh, boy. This game is over. And the Red Sox win it 4 2. No way can this happen. Wong, with his team down by two, makes the last out. Uyuhara picks him off. Game four is finished, and a stunned crowd here at Bush Stadium. Watches the Red Sox celebrate.
0: It was the first time a World Series game had ended on a pickoff, and the Red Sox would go on to win the series. We're all a little familiar with the pickoff incident to end game four of the World Series, but talk to me about more of the emotional repercussion after that. Like, because I think that fans of the game see something like that and they're like, okay, it's a mistake. You get over it easily. He's professional. He'll bounce back. No problem. But but that's not true, right? Not at all, bro. Not at all. It was it was literally like for the rest of the
1: World Series, it was a hangover. I mean, showing up to the field was tough. Waking up was tough. Going to bed was tough. You know, everything about that. Trying to eat was tough. You know, because growing up, man, that's the goal for every kid to get to that yeah. point, you know, to ascend to that point where you're in the big leagues and you can find a way to get to the World Series and hopefully bring one home, man. And to have that happen was just, you want to talk about just, you know, feeling the lowest the low you could feel, man. I was just down in, in the dumps. And luckily, you know, I had a good supporting cast. I had my wife with me. You know, I had my family mm-hmm. there, you know. So there was a lot of things to kind of help me through it. But, dude, that was tough. I mean, like any, any kid at that point, how he's going to take it. You know, you never see the bright side of things. You always just see, you know, what you're in right now. But I tell everybody, man, like, I feel like that pick off made me the player that I am today. You know, I, mm. I started realizing, I started learning, you know, as I continue to play on this league, league, it's like, dude, you don't learn from your successes. Those are amazing. You soak those in. You learn from your right. mistakes. You learn from your failures. You know, and it just, it kind of showed me, man, like, dude, I feel at like the biggest stage of my life. Like, I don't have fear anymore. I ain't scared to mess mm. up. You ain't going to scare yeah. me in this game. You know, like, I already, I already faced what I had to face. You know, when I got picked off, man, I was getting death threats. You know, I was getting all the things you can get, man, booed, you know, like, in your home stadium. That's it's wild. just like, man, like, yeah, I man. was— And
0: people don't get booed very often no, in St. Louis. No, bro.
1: You know, and it's just like, I just knew, like, hey, if I can get through this, I can get through anything.
0: And, you know, once I got through it, bro, it was just a new confidence found that's bigger than anything. And I think you also mentioned something important is the support system you had during that time. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know how important it is to have people in your corner when you're struggling with an emotional battle. And for you to mention your family to, to be able to pick you up like that, that's huge. Oh, yeah, absolutely, bro. We also know that that wasn't just a tough time for you, but also for your family mm-hmm. with your mom battling cancer at that time. Yep. What role did your mom play in your whole baseball career? And what was her advice to you during that specific time? Yeah. Um, man, my mom was the ultimate cheerleader for me. You know, like she
1: kind of was, my dad was a tough one. And then my mom was the one who would kind of come <laughs> behind him after and be like, hey, you're okay. You are you know, you're still amazing. Yeah,
0: here's a lollipop. Absolutely. Here's a lollipop. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
1: screw. He's like, hey, leave that alone. Let's go. Let's go get some ice cream. You know, like always always changing the, the mood up. So, you know, that, she That's always played awesome. that role to me. And, you know, even then she told me, she's like, you know, this isn't going to define who you are as a player and as a person he's like don't ever let it define you
0: he didn't let it define him and after a dark period that memory changed his whole perspective that's all after a break
2: it's easy to touch the lives of the people closest to you and you can every day whether it's delivering groceries to a neighbor thank you Kellen now what would I do without you or a night off from cooking you got us tacos this looks so good We needed this. But what if it was just as easy to make a big impact? What if touching the life of one person could make a difference for many more? Now, each time you order online or tap in store with your MasterCard at qualifying restaurants and grocery stores, MasterCard will donate to Stand Up To Cancer, one precious cent at a time, up to $5 million. Together, we can start something priceless. Promotion ends on August 31st, 2021, or when maximum $5 million donation is reached, whichever comes first. Debit pin and international transactions ineligible. Stand Up to Cancer is a division of the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Terms apply. See MasterCard.us slash su2c.
0: Welcome back. I'm talking to Colton Wong. After that World Series pickoff, Wong entered 2014 as the Cardinals' starting second baseman. We'll pick it up in early June of that year. Let me see if I can take you back to a moment. The the first career home run, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe a grand slam off of James Shields. What did that moment feel like for you? Dude, uh, I mean, incredible.
2: And Wong hits a high fly ball out to deep right.
1: I think I was like over 120 or 30 bats into my big league, you know, career. So it just seemed like it wasn't going to happen. You know, I was like, you were, oh,
0: you were so you were waiting for
1: it. Yeah, you know, I was like, dude, at some point this has to happen. You know, <laughs> man, I just remember the whole sequence, like, you know, getting that change up right there and, and putting the swing on it, and I barreled it. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if that's Ooh. going. <laughs> I was like, I, don't, I was like, you know how Bush is. I'm like, oh, I mean, I hit that good, but I don't know if I hit that that good. And to see it clear, right. man, it was like. Dude, I think, you know, the uh video of me explains it all. And I, you know, running yeah. around the bases, man, just smiling ear to ear, you know, just it took me probably five, 10 seconds to get around the bases. I was flying <laughs> and I get into the dugout, man. And I remember this one point where literally I took out my, my helmet, and I tossed it in there. I'm like, <sighs> you know, just like, dude, I can't, I, I'm so glad that's finally done, man. Like it was the worst. You're just like, God, man, like. You know,
0: like, that's so funny. You,
1: I've hit home runs I, my whole career, every single part of my game. You know, no matter where I was, Double A, Triple A, then you get to the big leagues, and you're already 120, 30 bats in. You're like, huh. like this sucks up here. Like I'm having fun, I but know, this, this is just I brutal. I felt the
0: same. <laughs> I, I felt the same way because I I hit a lot of home runs in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. and then when I got to the big leagues, it almost took me like a hundred before I hit my first one.
2: Scrumbs to left. It's deep. First major league homer, Xavier Scruggs,
0: a two-run shot. And I was like, "Man, what, what what is going on right now?" But I definitely know that feeling because you want to knock, you want to get it out of the way. It's almost like that first hit. It's like oh. once you hit one of them, you can keep hitting some more. So exactly. I think that that's a great point. Now we got to hit on. The walk-off homer to win game two of the NLCS. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that this was one of your most special moments in, in St. Louis. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that moment and what you remember. Yeah, man. I just remember 2013.
1: You know, like coming into that po- that mm-hmm. season, man, it was, you know, I was coming in on eggshells a little bit, you know, just because I was still trying to get over it. You know, still trying to shake it off. It's one of those things where as a young kid, you just don't know how to shake it off. You know, it's still bothering you. It's still bothering me. So you know, that was a tough season for me too, 2014. It's like, I came in, you know, ended up winning the starting job at second base, 70 ABs in, I got sent down, you know, so it was just kind of like back to square one again, you know, here we go. I'm trying to like figure out my game down there, working every single day, you know, coming in early, hitting, hitting after games, you know, trying to figure out what's going to make me, you know, click and then getting your opportunity to go up there. And I had some success again and Right at the end of the season, I started clicking a little bit. You could, I could feel myself starting to, you know, get to that point. I was like, okay, you know, things are starting to go. My bats, you know, my swing's feeling right. Like this might be good. And uh, man, that home run when I hit it, dude, it, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Long hits it in the
2: right, into the corner. Game over. Long
1: wins it in the ninth. As a kid growing up, man, you dream of those situations. You know, like getting into that point, right. bottom of the ninth. You know, you're up. You got a chance to win it right here. And I remember he threw me that changeup, bro, and it came in looking this big. And I was like, do not overswing, that. bro. Do not overswing. <laughs> and I hit it. I was like, I got that thing, bro. And I started sprinting on the bases. You know, the courtesy sprint. Like, I'm still a rookie. I'm not trying to show them off. <laughs> you know, like I didn't want to lean back on one. That was my aha moment. Like, dude, I, I can I can play at this level. Like I know I'm good enough to play at this level. I just did something that not many guys ever did. You know, I got this. So I started believing in that, man. And I started really like mental toughness books, man. Just, you know, talking with people, figuring out how to just believe in myself more and more, you know. And even talking to some of the, the greatest guys I play with, like Yadier Molina, you know, like he would tell me that, like, Pablo, well, I believe I'm the best out there, you know. And like when you have somebody telling you that, it's like, man, I got to start thinking that way. It's not about me being cocky. It's about me being in my frame of mind where I know I'm the best player
0: out there. I don't need to show it, but I got to believe it. You touch a little bit on the mental health aspect of things because we have a lot of guys, a lot of athletes, you know, in general that, that go through stuff like that. And is that one of the pieces of advice that you would give them today? If, if you saw somebody kind of going through that or heard them going through that as like, it just, how do you just start believing in yourself? You know, so I, I would start realizing that I was thinking bad about
1: myself. You know, I was, I was doubting myself, man. I was, I was, I would talk bad to myself and I was like, man, I can't do this. Like, if I'm going to be at this level, I got to be
0: my biggest believer. I got to be my biggest fan and I got to be my biggest supporter. Are there still some of those like mental health aspects of your game that you still try to incorporate to to make sure you stay on, on focus with that? Yeah, I think it's it's the biggest thing is the self-talk
1: for me. You know, anytime anytime I, I mess up or anything, if I say anything bad about myself, I check myself right away. You know, that, that self-talk you got, if you start thinking bad thoughts, I'm like, nah, bro. Like, that's one time, you got this, like, you know, it's always about trying to bring yourself up. And that's what I learned, man. That's been the biggest thing I've ever learned in my career is like, you gotta be
0: your biggest fan. Wong said that his defense wasn't his strong suit early in his pro career, but he's worked tirelessly to improve and was honored with back-to-back gold gloves as the National League's best second baseman in 2019 and 2020.
2: I mean, that was some curly Neal Harlem Trotter stuff out there behind the second
0: base bag. Yeah! I, I want to know about the gold gloves, man. What, and not, not specifically about getting or receiving the gold gloves, but what do you think took you to a gold glove level? What were the things that you harnessed in on and was like, okay, this is what I can uh, uh, strive for. This is actually capable of happening. So I always knew I had decent range. I always knew I had pretty good feel in the, in the field.
1: Going left to right, making those crazy plays. Like I'd pull it out every once in a while. The thing that really made me click as a player was I started really just focusing on my fundamentals, making sure I make the routine out, making sure I use my feet to get the ground balls, never trying to be lazy, always trying to be on attack mode as a defender. And, you know, once I started understanding, if I just apply the fundamentals to my whole game defensively, it's just going to make me better as a, as a, as a defender. And, uh, you know, on top of that too, just making it my own. I just felt like coming up, I had so many guys in my ear telling me, you got to play it this way. You got to do something this way. And eventually, man, I think this was probably 2018. I just was like, dude, I'm done listening to everybody. I don't feel good. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel stiff. Like I do things differently on on the field. That's just who I am. That's what makes me click. And that's what makes me the best defender that I can be. And I started learning. I was like, you know what? Everybody's going to want to help. And I'm I'm cool with that. Like I'd love to listen to you. But... You know, I'm not going to use everything you say. I'm going to use whatever I think is going to work to my game, and that's about it. And the rest, you know, might go in one ear or out the other, but just know it's all in respect, man. Like, I'm listening to you. I'm just taking what's going to work for me the best, not what you
0: think is going to work for me. Wong spent the first 11 years of his professional career in the Cardinals organization, but St. Louis declined a contract option to retain him after the 2020 season. Colton became a free agent and signed a two-year, $18 million contract in February with one of the Cardinals' NL Central rivals, the Milwaukee Brewers. I want to touch on this free agency process that you went through this offseason. I know that's not easy, and I want to give fans kind of an inside look. But if I told you at the end of last season that you would be wearing a Brewers jersey, what would you have said to me? Uh,
1: you're crazy. honestly bro I mean
0: you know don't get
1: me wrong like I'm loving being with the Brewers right now I feel like this is a good mix for me but you know when when you're with Mm -hmm. the Cardinals for as long as I've been man like I I thought I was going to be a lifelong Cardinal you know, I was, I thought I was gonna be sitting stone there, bro. I was gonna ride onto the sunset there and and <laughs> be there like like the Yachty, like the Wayno, you know, like those were guys that set the example mm-hmm. and you wanted to get there. You know, I've always been a fan of being one organization for your whole career. I thought that was gonna be, right. be something I was gonna go into. But, you know, COVID came in and all this stuff. So, you know, free agency was kind of nuts, but you know, it's just one of those things where you you just
0: know, man, that unfortunately this is just how it's gonna be. Can you take me inside free agency a little bit and walk us through the process Mm -hmm. for, for all that aren't familiar? Like when I think about free agency, I'm thinking like, are you always checking your phone to see if there's some, if your agent has some news? Are you Googling your name to see (laughs) if if your name is in MLB rumors? Doug, I think you just hit it on the head, right? (laughs) Hey, that was me every day.
1: Oh, well, first thing I do, I roll out of bed. I look at my phone, go to MLB trade rumors, look and see what's going on. You know, then I, then I would wake up get ready eat breakfast, go do my workout, call my agent right away. Like, Hey, what's going on, man? What we got? We got anything going on? And, dude, I'm telling you, it's just, it's the most stressful time ever. Like I used to, I used to think free Ooh. industry was amazing. You know, everybody's calling you like, you know, just, just fluffing you up, yeah. making you feel good. And I was like, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's not like that, man. You know, it's like, you got your teams that reach out to you and you know, They tell you how much, you know, they appreciate you, how much they like you as a player, this and that. But for the most part, man, you can talk to a team once and they can ghost you the rest of the off. I mean, that happens so many times. It's crazy. Like, they call and be like, hey, man, we want to talk. Like, we want to get together. We want to see what we can do to work this out. And that'd be the only conversation I'd get. So they kind of just leave me on the edge. Like, what's up, man? You know, like, (laughs) I'm here.
0: (laughs) Wait, what happened to that team that hollered at us at the beginning of the offseason? Like, uh, can we not
1: call them back or, you know, send a text? (laughs)
0: that's funny man did you have any specific expectations going into free agency Uh, I'm just thinking like you after winning your second gold glove and and continuing to play better with the Cardinals uh, were you thinking like okay the Cardinals they're they're gonna Mm want to resign like what what were your thoughts there
1: for sure I thought they were gonna resign me 100% you know I thought we were gonna have to talk you know about numbers and whatnot and I was like all right cool but to be honest with you, bro, like, yeah. I didn't get a single phone call from the Cardinals. Not one, mm. you know, so it
0: was just you, you realize the business side of baseball real quick. I guess, is that a disappointing factor or is it more like the opportunity of other teams outweighs that? Like, how do you I guess how do you balance those emotions right there? Yeah. You know, that was the thing I learned a lot about myself,
1: too, and how much, you know, you got to bet on yourself in this game. You know, you got to believe in yourself and understand that at the end of the day, man, these guys are paying you for your services and that is it. You know, there is no personal attachment. There is no personal, you know, care about you as a person. Like they're here to use you as a baseball player and that is it. You know, they can get rid of you like that. And man, it gave me a whole new perspective on how to play, you know, like understanding like, dude, I can't get mad at myself if I have a bad AB. I can't get mad at myself if I make an error because I'm putting myself in a bad situation for my next contract or for my next deal, you know, like, I just got to understand, man, I got to be my biggest fan and and stop being a critic of myself. You know, like stop hating on myself because at the end of the day, I'm my only fan. I got to believe in myself. I got to
0: believe I'm the best I can possibly be because there's nobody else that's going to do that for me. That's an amazing mentality right there. When Milwaukee approaches you or your agent, does it straight go from, okay, agent says, hey, Colton, Milwaukee's interested. They want They want to sit down and talk. Like how does it how does it go from going from the agent to we want to learn more about you what what are the steps kind of in between that
1: so it's just they call and, and check in on you mostly most teams just call and check in see how you're doing you know ask ask how things are going and most guys GM stuff they're gonna try and feel out you know like hey you know I'm guessing he's trying to get this much for this deal or you know this much for this and then so it's it's basically the agent's job to kind of just play chess you know it's a lot of back and forth but. You start to find out, you know, the teams that are really serious, the more they call, uh, you know, everybody is down to call and check in and and see how you're doing. But until like they continue to call, you know, that's when we started to realize, OK, the Brewers are they're in, you know, they're, they're excited about this. And they were the ones from the very beginning, reached out to us, you know, and stayed in contact with us throughout the middle of the off season. And then when it started getting late, they, you know, reached out and we're like, hey, if he wants this, like, let's get a deal done. And I was
0: like, dude, that's all I've been waiting for. So let's get it. Now, it's time for the X-Factors, our rapid-fire questions. I had to test Colton's memory off the top. Let's go number one. While playing for the AA Springfield, Missouri Cardinals, you should remember there's one popular sandwich spot in Springfield on East Walnut Street a lot of guys would go to before headed to the stadium. Do you remember the name of the sandwich spot? I'm going to say Potbelly's. Ah, Pickleman's?
1: Pickle, Pickleman's. You're right, man. They got that in St. Louis. Oh.
0: <laughs> that was, I, had to, I had to get you with one of them. Uh, better barbecue, Memphis or St. Louis? Oof. I mean, man,
1: people might get mad at me, but I'm going to have to go with Memphis on this one. Memphis, Memphis is barbecue. <laughs> rendezvous, man. I mean, I ate so much Rendezvous. That's Ooh. probably why. <laughs>
0: I always go Memphis. Oh. I, Memphis is Memphis number mm. one for me. Because I think Memphis is like, they got the, everything's so sloppy yep. too. I like, I love like the sloppy style. Absolutely. I don't know why. If there's one thing I need to do when I visit Hawaii, what is it? Mm. I would say
1: you got to go and visit any kind of old, like artifact or any kind of old building in Hawaii, man. You just you mm. gotta soak in the culture before you just come there for the experience for the vacation. I feel like I right, feel like people right. don't ever get really into like the culture of Hawaii and, and how we became you know part of the United States. And I feel like they'll learn a lot, man. And it, it kind of gives you more respect of the area
0: and you know the people of that area for sure. Right, right. That sounds that sounds good. Okay, so if I do that, me and Jess take the boys. Uh, we'll definitely be doing that. Well, Colton, hey, best of luck to you for the the season, man. Appreciate you jumping on here. Thank you, brother. And and tell the family I said hello. Um, You know, just wishing the best for you, my guy. I appreciate you guys having me on, bro. That was Colton Wong, second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave us a review. It helps new listeners find the show. You can discover more MLB shows at mlb.com slash podcast. Follow at MLB on all your favorite social media platforms, especially YouTube and TikTok. And follow me. I'm at Xavier underscore Scruggs on all the platforms. Our audio team is from Neon Hum Media and includes producers Haley Fager and Rob Dozer, production manager Sammy Allison, and executive producers Jonathan Hirsch and Sharon Morris editorial support from Nick White mixing and engineering by Scott Somerville on the MLB team production support from extraordinary athletes Ian K is MLB's executive producer for podcasts special thanks to Barbara McHugh Greg Clayman, Alicia Mullen and Lance Gitler music by Asha Ivanovich thanks for listening we'll see you next week